Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books and Native American Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Annabella Breck, and today we'll be talking to Pekka Hamelinen about his new book, Lakota America, A New History of Indigenous Power. Pekka Hamelinen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pekka, I wonder if you could kick things off today by telling us a bit about yourself. Sure. So, uh, uh, well, I'm a uh, 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 native Finn, and I grew up in Finland and, uh, and uh, went to school in Finland. And uh, my first visit to U.S. was uh, in, the ni- in the mid-90s uh, when I had a Fulbright uh, uh, fellowship uh, uh, to study uh, 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 or to actually to write my dissertation, which was about uh, Plains Indians that broadly conceived. And uh, from there on, you know, I abandoned that uh, topic and ended up writing about the Comanches. And uh, then uh, uh, in the early 2000s, uh, I got my first job in the U.S., uh, uh, first in Texas. And then uh, shortly after, I moved to California, UCSB, where I spent six years. And now I'm uh, at Oxford, uh, uh, where I'm uh, teaching American history. Wonderful. Thank you very much. In your introduction, you explain your choice of Lakota America as you lay out your arguments and the stakes of your work. Rather than prefacing a history of another indigenous empire, you opt to explain Lakota power in continental terms. Why the departure from empire? What makes Lakota power different from, say, the Comanche Empire? Well, that's a good question, you know, and uh, uh, I wanted to kind of highlight two things in the book. Uh, uh, the f- first was uh, Lakota's uh, uh, profound role in shaping American history over a very, very long period of time. And uh, and because most studies take the little bit corn, you know, that sort of climatic battle uh, 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 as a guiding coordinate. And those studies, most books uh, and, and, uh, and, and articles just tend to sort of uh, trace uh, uh, the immediate uh, uh, build-up uh, uh, to the Little Big Horn, basically, 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 the sort of the military build-up leading up to the Little Big Horn, and uh, that leaves basically, you know, a huge chunk, massive chunk of of, uh, of Lakota history, sort of uh, obscured and uh, and neglected. So uh, most uh, uh, Lakota histories really focus on on uh, uh, sort of. Uh, 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 mid uh, and late uh, uh, 19th century, where we have these uh, uh, 
climatic battles, uh, uh, Red Clouds War, and obviously uh, the Battle of the Little Big Horn. So I just wanted to go back, you know, uh, further further back, uh, actually all the way into the beginning when uh, and see, you know, what Lakota history would look like uh, from that much longer perspective. And it looks quite, quite uh, interesting, I think. Yes, certainly. Um, chapter one traces the history and the modern origins of the Ocheti Shakoin. Uh, in what you call North America's ecological hinge between the present-day St. Croix, Minnesota, and Red Rivers. This is where thousands of refugees from the Iroquois Mourning Wars of the mid-17th century flocked towards in the wake of warfare. How did these Mourning Wars, which are hundreds if not almost a thousand miles away, impact the Ocheti Shakoin? But well, that's a good question, uh, and I, uh, uh, the impact is 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 uh, I think massive and uh, and uh, shattering for the Ocheri Shakovin. You know, the uh, the morning wars, these Iroquois morning wars, are one of the great turning points in in early American history. Uh, early American history. In the in the early seventeenth uh, century, uh, uh, the Iroquois were struck by multiple smallpox epidemics, and they lost um, uh, at least half of their population. And what happened? You know, they expanded westward, uh, uh, raiding other peoples, other native peoples, uh, uh, getting taking captives uh, to uh, replace their dead, and also. Uh, uh, Torturing and uh, and some you know and uh, uh, torturing and uh, uh, physically eating these uh, 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 captives uh, to sort of uh, uh, to get uh, uh, emotional release and and repair their kinship lines and and uh, and and so forth. And uh, uh, what happens uh, uh, is that the Iroquois expansion and these Iroquois raids uh, uh, cause a massive diaspora. Uh, 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 into the west, into the uh, western Great Lakes, which uh, where the Laco- where the Ocheri Shakovin is uh, 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 sort of uh, butting against uh, 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 these uh, these refugees. And uh, what happens there is that uh, the, 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 the French uh, traders follow these uh, 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 these refugees into the west, into the Great Lakes, and uh, form an alliance. Uh, and uh, and it's it's a very strong alliance because they both need one another because they are both weak. The French are not strong in a strong position. They are short in numbers, and these refugee Indians uh, uh, need uh, uh, French trade, guns, powder, uh, and and also med- mediation because uh, 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 there are mu- there are multiple groups that need somebody to sort of uh, uh, to help facilitate negotiations and coexistence uh, between them. And uh, and uh, so suddenly there's a huge, uh, you know, mass of people on Ocheti Sakovin's eastern border, and these people are not willing to trade or interact with the with the with the with the Sioux with the Ocheti Sakovin because they see them as uh, as uh, as strangers, as competitors, and uh, and uh, 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 the result for Ocheti Sakovin is is this sort of profound uh, and quite dangerous isolation. They don't have guns. They don't have access to guns or powder or iron weapons, which may be, which in uh, this very competitive milieu uh, spells uh, a danger and potentially dispossession and death. In Chapter 2, the Ocheti Shakuin begin to expand. And there, finally enabled by the material cataclysm of guns and horses, 
Lakotas begin to push Sioux borders towards Cree and Assiniboine territory near the Missouri River, or what they call Minnesota. Meanwhile, Eastern Oyade continue to negotiate French commercial and political interests in the Western Great Lakes. Despite pushing in opposite directions with opposite means of expansion, the Ocheti Shakowin are as centralized as ever. Why is this? Well, yes, uh, uh, the uh, Sioux or, or Chedi Shakomin uh, is actually in danger of uh, uh, dis, dis, uh, disintegrating as a nation, as an alliance. Uh, and uh, uh, Lakotas had acquired horses and were inching westward uh, uh, from the Mississippi and Minnesota valleys. And, uh, 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 and there was a moment uh, uh, when... Uh, when the Lakotas, who stayed in the east, sided with the Crees against the Lakotas. So the Ocheri Sakovin was kind of splintering uh, and uh, splintering and suffering and a kind of uh, disintegration was a real possibility. What really sort of saves, and this happens again and again in, 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 uh, uh, in the history of the Ocheri Sakovin, they uh, go back to the, uh, uh, to the very basics what keeps them together, which is kinship. Uh, uh, a sense of profound connectedness, uh, uh, perhaps the most potent power in the Sioux world. And it's that sort of a sense of uh, 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 togetherness and kinship that kept the Ocheri Shakovin uh, uh, intact and whole uh, 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 while uh, uh, sort of uh, for, in a foreign political sense, they are diverging. But uh, uh, they always find a kind of a common ground in their in their shared history and and in their shared sense of uh, kinship. And that it and like I said, you know, this it, it is that sort of uh, uh, kinship-based politics, kinship-based uh, 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 sense of belonging uh, that uh, uh, saves the Ocheri Shakovin and Lakotas later on. You know, uh, again and again when they are facing. Uh, crisis, whether they are ecological, uh, 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 or political, or military. In chapters three and four, which together span the course of the Seven Years' War, Pontiac's Four, the Lewis and Clark Expedition, and the War of 1812, the Lakota dig their heels in along the banks of Minnesota, reorienting trans-regional power. How do the Lakota consolidate and exercise political power here, and how does this impact adjacent historical actors in the area? That's a great question. So, uh, so the way the Lakotas, uh, the, the Lakotas really shift westward in the in the early uh, early early seventeen hundreds uh, and pulled by horses and pulled by the bison and they keep inching westward at fighting a lot of uh, uh, prairie people on their way, you know, who are uh, farmers and uh, in the uh, and they finally reach the uh, Missouri uh, uh, Missouri Valley in the in the seventeen uh, uh, sixties and by that time. They are horse and gunpowder, and they are able to assert themselves and carve out space for themselves along the Missouri. It wasn't easy. As many as 50,000 people may have lived uh, on uh, Missouri's banks uh, and Grand Riverside villages, and these villages were rich. They abounded with uh, uh, corn, squash, horses, and human energy. And that wealth sort of uh, exerted kind of an I- irresistible pull on the Lakotas, who desperately needed horses and carbohydrates for their rapidly growing population, which is reaching about 10,000 by now. And But these mystery villages, villagers, Arikaras, Mandans and Hidatsas, uh, uh, they are quite troubled by these newcomers. The Lakotas had big needs, but little to offer. 
and uh, and for the uh, Eric Resen, uh, Mendes and Hidatsas, uh, Missouri was home and sacred. It was a place where all their history had happened, and they were almost immediately determined to keep the Lakotas uh, uh, out. And this is the turning point, one of the big turning points in Lakota history. You know, they, uh, Lakotas now, they need access to, uh, to, to the Missouri uh, 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 and its resources, and they fight them uh, their way in. And uh, so Lakotas rely, rely on force. They attack the villages and they soon carve out a, a kind of a 200-mile expanse of the Missouri for themselves. And uh, then they uh, turn uh, or shift to sort of uh, shape the, uh, the political landscape of the Missouri Valley. They reduce the villagers, the Mandansi, that's in Rikers, uh, to veritable vassals uh, and uh, by blending raiding and extortion with diplomacy and trade into what might be called a, uh, an economy of violence. They isolate the villagers from the bison herds creating artificial demand for their own products and demanded gifts of, uh, gifts of corn as a price for peace. And, uh, uh, and while this is happen, uh, happening, uh, uh, the Lakotas also spot another opportunity because the St. Louis was booming in the 1790s uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and its, its uh, merchants and traders were starting to push north along the Missouri uh, towards the Mandan uh, uh, Indian villages uh, far in the north. And uh, they, they, they were sort of the Mandans were very famous for their trade, trade uh, uh, um, networks. And that's where the, uh, where the uh, French, Spanish, uh, uh, St. Louis traders wanted to go. But Lakota started to intersect them. And... Uh, and uh, uh, um, and stopped those boats uh, and and started to demand tolls, a portion of their goods as a price for access. And they effectively turned the Middle Missouri Valley into a kind of a tribute-yielding machine. And this has, uh, you know, uh, uh, interesting sort of implications for the for the Lewis and Clark, who pushed up river from St. Louis in 1804, and they crashed all but blindly into the expanding Lakota America. And uh, it, it's, it's quite interesting history in a, in a way, uh, 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 because from Lakota perspective, these explorers, Lewis and Clark, uh, did almost everything wrong. They did not freely share their massive wares of goods. They tried to pull the rigorous away from the Lakota orbit to US one. And the Lakotas ended up shadowing uh, the corpse of discovery upriver, keeping them uh, in a nearly constant state of agitation and panic. They really sort of uh, made it quite horrible for the, uh, for the Lewis and Clark expedition. And uh, soon after that, yeah, uh, 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 actually, the Americans uh, uh, sort of take stock of the situation and realize that the, the Lakotas really are the sort of masters of the Missouri, and they forge an alliance with them. They give them uh, and become staunch allies. They give the, uh, 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 they offer Lakotas a privileged, uh, privileged access to the fur trade, vaccines, military collaboration and uh, and uh, and uh, basically uh, the Americans had uh, uh, sided with power uh, uh, which is uh, the Ochedi Shakobin 
And uh, and uh, uh, if we look a little bit further, you know, there was a real possibility uh, uh, that uh, uh, the war of uh, 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 the, the war of uh, uh, 1812 might have ended really badly for the United States uh, if the uh, if the Ocheri Shakovin had sided with the with the British, but the Americans had now embraced the, the Ocheri Shakovin and the Lakotas as allies. And uh, and that sort of uh, possibility uh, passed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In chapter five, the Lakota migration westward takes us all the way to Pahasapa, or the Black Hills, where the Lakota reorient themselves again, and by extension, the political system of the plains in its entirety again. What is the pushback against this expansion like? Well, it is severe, you know, uh, 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 the the uh, the crows. The, uh, the, there's a lot of pushback actually, and it's it's, it's native peoples, especially the crows, and also the plains villagers, ponies, Omahas, and uh, 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 Otos and others. They all resist this Lakota expansion into the west, uh, uh, and uh, and the Lakota uh, crow war becomes particularly. Uh, uh, Vicious and uh, and violent uh, uh, because you have now you know two nomadic uh, uh, two horse people two nomadic uh, nations sort of uh, uh, fighting uh, 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 over territory and uh, and they are both uh, ex- extremely powerful ex- extremely mobile and uh, and able to uh, inflict a lot of damage on one another and it is a war that lasts about uh, you know at least two generations perhaps the longest war ever fought in north america and it, it sort of stretches both groups uh, at their very limits at the same time yeah uh, 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 along uh, on the on the western plains uh, the lakotas are quite systematically uh, uh, dispossessing or, or pushing the prairie villagers uh, out. There's two reasons for that, you know. Uh, one is uh, that it's, re- you know, people cannot really survive in the, in, the, in the grasslands without access to river valleys. And these prairie villages, the ponies and others, occupied those villages and uh, those river valleys. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, what what follows is this sort of uh, uh, competition or rivalry for resources, which is uh, grass, water, shelter, especially during the uh, uh, winter months. You know, people, the only way to survive winters in the, in the, in the open plains was to uh, uh, establish your camps uh, uh, in the protective uh, uh, river valleys. So it, these are really pitiless, uh, uh, pitiless, uh, and and long-lasting wars that that uh, uh, take uh, uh, that last for for decades, and in in the, in the Lakota Crow case, uh, uh, generations. By chapter six, the United States 
undergoes a carefully orchestrated, quote-unquote, hard metamorphosis into an empire. And by Chapter 7, with the discovery of gold in the Black Hills and in other indigenous spaces across the West, this expansion takes an even more aggressive turn. How do the Lakota respond to this power approaching their sacred spaces uh, and their most valuable resources? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the uh, uh, the uh, the Black Hills, the Pahasapa, is uh, is uh, is the most sacred place for the for the Lakotas. It is uh, 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 the place of their origin. That's that's uh, the the uh, uh, creation stories uh, uh, tell them that they, they were born. They they emerged from a cave in the Black Hills and uh, uh, and uh, and. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, spread all over the uh, all over the west uh, uh, from the uh, Black Hills, uh, uh, you know, east, west, and south, and uh, and north. So it is a, it's 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 a, it's a deeply sacred uh, uh, place for Lakotas, uh, the heart uh, the heart of, uh, heart of everything that is how they say it. So uh, uh, so uh, Lakotas respond with force and with renewed expansion uh, and they uh, fight the 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 Americans uh, uh, with, uh, systematically and actually uh, uh, which results to the treaty of 1851 where the United States uh, 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 actually uh, uh, is, is willing to negotiate with the Lakotas and uh, and, uh, and 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 willing to make uh, uh, kind of uh, quite surprising uh, uh, con- concessions uh, uh, to the Lakotas. The reason being is that you know uh, uh, gold had been found, discovered in California, and California is suddenly the richest place on earth. This is in a, 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 in the late 1840s, and the Americans absolutely, absolutely need access uh, 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 to that California gold. The only way to get access to it is to uh, uh, is overland travels with the uh, uh, overland uh, uh, trails, which trace these uh, uh, you know uh, uh, rivers from the uh, from the Missouri uh, uh, to the uh, to uh, to the west, and those rivers belong to the Lakotas. So the United States is, a, is forced to negotiate with the Lakotas for uh, rights of way to the West. And the result is in the 1851 Treaty of, uh, of uh, sometimes called the, the Treaty of Fort Laramie, uh, 1851, which is very generous for, for the Lakotas. And uh, they get a, a huge uh, a reservation uh, that covers much of the much of the uh, mid continent, uh, and uh, and uh, but also open uh, uh, access uh, uh, to the west for the for the U.S. Uh, U.S. Uh, 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 immigration. So uh, uh, and uh, this kind of uh, uh, is the is the is the moment where the. Uh, United States and 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 Lakota interests really kind of align uh, align in a in a, a rather surprising way, and uh, they both uh, realize they both realize that they 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 they, they, are, uh, they have sort of uh, they are expanding into the West in tandem, and they kind of uh, uh, form this uh, this. Uh, 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 
alliance based on 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 that uh, 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 on that kind of a connection uh, uh, and understanding that they they both need something from from the other and they are willing to and able to make it work so they uh, they become allies Uh, in in 1851. Chapters 8 and 9 recount the long history between the Fort Laramie Treaty of 1868 and the Wounded Knee Massacre of 1890, an era of Lakota history divided largely into by the Battle of the Greasy Grass or Little Bighorn, perhaps uh, the moment in Lakota history most well-known to most Americans. So how and why are the Lakota able to exercise power so expansively after Fort Laramie, and why does Lakota authority and mobility become hampered so quickly in the 1880s? Yeah, so uh, the Laramie Treaty of 1868 is, is again, you know, it's it's based on uh, on the on the uh, earlier uh, Laramie Treaty 51, and it's it's very very generous for for the Lakotas. Uh, uh, the reason being uh, that the United States had just lost a war, Red Cloud's war, uh, uh, against uh, uh, the Lakota Nation and the Cheyenne Arapaho allies. Uh, 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 the United States had uh, uh, tried to, or the U.S. military actually had tried to open a, uh, uh, and had opened a, a, a Bozeman Trail uh, uh, into Montana where gold had been found. And uh, uh, that violated the 1851 uh, uh, treaty stipulations, uh, and so uh, uh, and the uh, Red Cloud, who sort of uh, was emerging as a, as a pivotal leader here, had repeatedly warned the Americans that you know you need you you can't access you. Uh, you uh, 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 these regions. Uh, uh, this is basically uh, 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 the uh, the river valleys uh, uh, in the in the uh, uh, in the west. Um, but the Americans ignore those warnings, and uh, uh, the uh, Lakota Cheyenne Rapaho Alliance uh, uh, punishes them, uh, and uh, uh, in a battle that that becomes known as the, as the Fetterman Massacre. So, uh, and all that, uh, you know, uh, th- that kind of uh, why the Lakotas are able to 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 win this war is, uh, uh, I, I would say it's it's uh, because they are emerging now, butting against United States and, and struggling with this much larger power. The Lakotas have to reinvent themselves and they reinvent themselves they shift shift, uh, shift shape and become an imperial power they they uh, centralize political uh, uh, decision making you know not systematically but sort of uh, in in a situational uh, uh, manner whenever they they need uh, 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 to make hard decisions uh, they appoint leaders to make those uh, uh, decisions, and uh, so this, the, the Lakota uh, nation becomes much more coordinated and uh, functioning as a kind of a, uh, indigenous empire that is able to uh, uh, to 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 keep the United States at arm's length and punish them in war, in battle, uh, uh, if, uh, if necessary. So uh, what happens then is, uh, is the uh, 1868 uh, 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 Treaty of Fort Laramie, which is, again, very generous for, for the Lakotas. Uh, they get about 100,000 uh, square miles of uh, uh, square mile reservation. 
but they also uh, uh, retain hunting uh, hunting rights uh, uh, far to the north and far to the south and far to the west. And this is uh, uh, here. There's a, there's a fundamental kind of a misunderstanding uh, 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 or discrepancy uh, between the United States and, and Lakota uh, ways of thinking about territory uh, borders and uh, and uh, and and uh, uh, ownership. For Lakotas, uh, hunting right, rights uh, uh, actually mean possession, sovereignty over that region. But uh, uh, and, and Americans obviously thought that these uh, uh, these are just basically uh, uh, rights of access, uh, and uh, and uh, so there's this uh, kind of uh, uh, really interesting uh, moment where uh, you know these two uh, uh, emerging empires, United States and Lakotas, are able to coexist. Uh, in the same space because they understand actually, you know, uh, kind of creatively uh, 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 misunderstand, uh, 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 the, you know, how they how they see, uh, uh, understand world power, expansion, border, sovereignty and so forth and so forth. So, so for a little while, they're able to coexist as two expanding powers. The problem now is uh, at this point is that uh, the the... Uh, the uh, uh, bison herds had began to decline, and that is a, a, a grave threat for the for the Lakota people, uh, 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 obviously. And uh, so, uh, what happens? The Lakotas began to expand, and I call it buffalo imperialism. They are trying to retain their uh, uh, their sovereignty, and uh, which is linked in their minds uh, to the viability of the hunt. You know, as long as there's uh, there's a buffalo, uh, 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 they can hunt and, and, and follow, you know, they uh, they own those lands. But when, they, when the buffaloes disappear, you know, the, the land basically becomes, uh, uh, in a way, not useless to them, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, 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 it's, it's uh, uh, like I said, you know, the, the, the idea of sovereignty is tied uh, to the bison, so the Lakota set out to to uh, sort of uh, dominate all the available uh, 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 and viable uh, bison hunting grounds around them. So uh, and it, it it can be seen as a kind of uh, 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 imperial expansion or buffalo imperialism, as I say. Americans realize this that the Lakota sovereignty and Lakota survival is is uh, absolutely linked. To, to the uh, to the uh, health of the bi- uh, uh, bison populations, and uh, and uh, in the in the early eighteen seventies, uh, uh, the, the army, U.S. Army, uh, basically uh, authorizes uh, um, massive commercial hunting of of the buffalo. Uh, uh, buffalo herds in the West, uh, with the with the uh, with the idea, with the hope that uh, uh, when the buffalo uh, are gone, the, the Lakota uh, uh, Lakotas have to uh, return, uh, uh, become sedentary, and uh, and uh, accept the U.S. government's uh, sort of uh, uh, oversight and control over them. You conclude the story by reemphasizing a common theme throughout your book, and that is the flexibility and adaptability of the Lakota. 
Throughout the 20th and 21st century, time and time again, the Lakota seemed to defy historical prediction and assimilationist agendas, proving most resilient in the face of the most violent assaults on their sovereignty, culture, and livelihood. To what degree is Lakota resilience informed by the history you tell in Lakota America? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and uh, I think that uh, uh, that resilience uh, is a product of their history. You know, the very specific history of the Lakota people uh, both uh, endured and uh, and and forged. You know, uh, and. Uh, uh, you know they had uh, contested with uh, you know starting from the from the early 1700s or you know late 1600s they had contended with multiple empires you know french spanish and and british and they they knew exactly you know uh, 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 how empires how nation states how colonialism how racism uh, uh, how how dispossession works so uh, uh, and and uh, they had learned to uh, uh, to adapt to these uh, uh, these pressures. And uh, uh, in the book, you know, the sort of the central mo- motive of the book is is uh, is the, the idea of shape shifting, Lakota's uh, 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 sort of uh, uh, shifting shape as uh, as uh, external or internal uh, conditions uh, uh, demanded. And, uh, you know, there were uh, multiple of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, shape-shifting uh, episodes uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, changes of, uh, in the political mindset, uh, uh, forging new alliances, uh, dropping old alliances. All these uh, things are absolutely, uh, uh, you know, that sort of like almost extreme uh, flexibility is uh, is absolutely essential, I think, especially in the 19th, uh, late 19th century milieu for uh, for indigenous survival, adaptation, understanding uh, 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 how how these uh, uh, foreign powers work is uh, absolutely essential uh, 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 for survival, and uh, it is that you know uh, uh, to me there's a direct line. From the, we, we started the conversation about uh, when uh, Lakotas are sort of isolated in the in the in the shadow of uh, of the Iroquois morning wars and the and the French uh, uh, refugee Indian middle ground. They were sort of uh, 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 isolated and and vulnerable. And I I see a sort of a direct line from that kind of uh, uh, moment. Or, or, or stage in their history, which was, you know, extremely challenging and extremely dangerous. I see a direct line from that situation uh, to the uh, uh, expansion and uh, and uh, and uh, victories in the West, and leading up uh, uh, all the way to the uh, the Battle of the Little Bighorn. The sort of the which is uh, you know kind of this kind of a symbolic. Uh, 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 um, manifestation of, of 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 Lakota power and their ability to shape uh, their own destinies and the uh, and the uh, destinies uh, or the larger you know uh, uh, arc of uh, of American history. Well, Paco, we've taken up a lot of your time today. Before we wrap up, I have one last question for you. What are you working on now? 
Well, now, you know, I've uh, written two books on, on native empires, you know, on uh, Comanche Empire and now, you know, Lakota, uh, about Lakotas. And uh, I'm uh, writing a more synthetic work now uh, 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 on, on, on still uh, in, in Native Americans, but it's, it's, it's in, in, in very early stages. So uh, I just, uh, I don't quite know, you know, where it's going to take me. But uh, that's that's usually you know where I roll you know so uh, uh, I hope to be you know happily surprised what I found uh, but it's 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 a, a, a kind of a, a, I'm sort of moving uh, uh, moving away from uh, uh, this kind of uh, focusing on one just a single single group and uh, taking a little bit uh, broader view on uh, on American history. Well, Pekka, whatever shape that project takes, it sounds like another important one. I want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Likewise. Thanks for having me.